This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Now that the mask mandate in Illinois is over, how are the state's colleges and universities responding? Will they continue to enforce masking or relax those requirements? To find out, we are checking in with representatives from two local schools. First up joining us is Robert Jones, Chancellor of the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. Hi, Chancellor Jones. Welcome back to Reset. It's my pleasure, Sasha. How are you? Doing well. Thank you for making the time. Uh, Tell us the university's approach to masking right now. Well, we decided a couple of weeks ago and announced that uh, we are lifting the mask mandate with the exception for in-class instruction. So any st- all students, all faculty inside of the classroom are still required to wear a mask. They are not required to wear them when they're leaving the class, walking down the hallway or in any other buildings, with the exception of the academic classroom itself. How did you make that call to start relaxing? The requirements well it was it was pretty much uh, the everything that we've done for the past 24 months has been driven by data and uh, what CDC and other agencies were saying and you know we have our own shield team that was uh, helped uh, us put together this whole ecosystem that has kept us safe and on a recommendation of our shield team looking at epidemiological data and, and other bits of information uh, the persistence and uh, of COVID-19, particularly the Omicron variant, the number of cases we were seeing, where those cases came from, gave us, again, pretty good perspective on what was most practical to do at this point. Mm-hmm. And so we lifted it for all indoor venues with the exception of the classroom because uh, we started this semester very much aware that uh, our approach was going to be slightly different where any class more than 200 was moved and has been retained online. Uh, But we have uh, classrooms that are somewhat crowded, and we are still very much concerned about keeping everybody safe. And so that's the basis on which our decision was made, and it will be in place for the rest of the semester. So you got masks no longer required in indoor spaces like libraries and the dorms. They're still required in classrooms during class time. Why aren't masks required in the hallways uh, as students move through the buildings? Well, because each uh, building that uh, our classrooms are located, the hallways differ in terms of width and breadth, the number of people that can be uh, accommodated. We're encouraging uh, people to continue to wear masks in hallways if they feel most comfortable doing that. We actually encourage them to do it, but we're no longer requiring it because it's not a one-size-fit-all. You know, every building is different. Its layout is different. And so we decided that in order to be you know, fair and equal to all that we'll just maintain it just for the uh, classroom environment only. Yeah. Well, what metrics are you looking for to be able to drop masks being required in classrooms? Well, we'll continue to look at uh, where this is going. It it uh, is going to be subsequently, I think we are clearly have entered, if not entered the endemic stage, and glad to see that most of the focus is going to be on hospitalization rate, those kinds of variables. And we'll take all of that into consideration as we near the end of the semester and uh, basically prepare for next academic year. So uh, there won't be any changes for the rest of this academic year. What did the students think about this? 
Um, you know, our students have been very, very clear and very, very supportive. They've responded to everything that we have asked them to do. Thus far, I've heard uh, no complaints. In fact, a lot of our students are pretty adamant about keeping masks uh, in the classroom environment and masking as being part of the overall protocol that has kept us safe thus far. And we have amazing students who always, uh, for the majority of them, have responded in very, very positive way to everything that we've asked them to do. Mm-hmm. And this is no exception. Well, speaking of the students, Chancellor, uh, during the first weekend in March, that's well known as a big partying weekend ahead of St. Patrick's Day before students leave for spring break. Are you monitoring that situation? Have you heard of uh, any plans? No, we haven't heard of any plans thus far. You're talking about the whole unofficial St. Patty's Day celebration, and we'll continue to do everything that we've done in the past. Uh, We will send messages to parents and actually encouraging the parents to encourage their kids not to participate. In the past, it's been mainly around the unhealthy behavior about excessive alcohol consumption that can lead to some very, very uh, detrimental acts and behavior that impacts our students. So it's still going to be focused around that. But we'll also remind students that pandemic is, uh, you know, we're not over. We're not out of COVID yet Mm -hmm. and that they need to continue to be uh, cautious. And if they're going to be participating in these very crowded situations, if they don't feel comfortable, they should not participate. And if they do, feel free to wear that mask if it makes them feel better. But most of this is around, you know, the behavior that leads to excessive drinking and partying is the thing that we'll continue to try to mediate to the best of our ability. Are you worried at all about a spike during spring break? Um, you know, I, there may be a slight spike. We're not worried about it because if we, we will continue to do the surveillance testing if necessary. And when we get a spike, we'll take the actions to mitigate it the way we've been doing you know, for the better part of the last year and a half. Um, given the numbers that we're seeing where we've had a couple of days this week where there have been zero cases, one case, and so clearly things are dramatically different than what they were before. So if there is a spike, I anticipate it will be more like the ones that we've observed, you know, uh, previously before Delta and definitely before Omicron. So we'll we'll deal with it if it happens. I don't anticipate it to, to, to be so large that it's going to be a problem. However, we are going to require students to test and giving them a full week to deliver a negative COVID test before when they come back from spring bake. That's the part that we are concerned about. And that'll tell us whether or not we are going to experience a spike or not. So we know kids are going to be going out to all kinds of different locations, mm-hmm. not only parting as it relates to St. Patty's, uh, 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 unofficial St. Patty's Day, but because of where they go in spring bake. And so just like we did when we started this semester, they'll have to deliver a negative COVID test before um, the classes resume, or at least during that first week of class. And if we find positive cases, we'll continue to implement our protocol of testing all of those individuals, Um, you know, on a regular basis, at least uh, every other day until the spike is mitigated. So, so we're, we're keeping a lot of our protocols in place because we're, we can see the light at the end of the tunnel, but we're not quite there yet. So, 
This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. If you're just tuning in, that's Robert Jones, Chancellor of the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. And we're discussing changes in masking protocols at Illinois colleges and universities. Chancellor Jones, thanks for joining. My great pleasure. Take care. Have a great day. You too. Let's turn now to Philip Hale, Vice President of Government Affairs at Loyola University, Chicago. Hi, Philip. Welcome to Reset. Good morning, Sasha. Thank you for having me. Tell us the latest on Loyola's masking requirements. Oh, uh, thank you, Sasha. Currently, uh, uh, we are uh, continuing to require students to wear a mask in indoor public places and to show proof of vaccination uh, when they uh, come on campus. And we've told students that these uh, requirements will remain in place at least through March 14th, which is when they will be returning from spring break. And we are currently uh, considering possible options uh, uh, to continue uh, some or all of these uh, requirements after spring break. A lot will depend on testing. Chancellor Jones mentioned how important testing is, and we agree. And uh, we're leaning very much towards um, uh, ramping up our randomized testing for mm-hmm. students return from uh, spring break to see to what extent there's a spike and to see to what extent at that time we, we may feel comfortable relaxing some of these requirements. Realistically, do you think there will be a spike when they come back from spring break? It's very hard to say. <laughs> it's a, it's a, if I, uh, uh, my crystal ball is a little cloudy on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, uh, our students uh, are from all over the country. Over half of our students are from out of state. So we know that they will be traveling to areas of uh, low transmission, medium transmission, and high transmission. And when they come back, uh, we just want to make sure that not only uh, they are safe and our staff and faculty are safe, we also have an obligation to our surrounding communities to be sure that they're safe as well. Um, and it's worth remembering that uh, Chicago's travel advisory is still very much in, uh, in force. And I think there are 46 states that are still on that tri- travel advisory. So we have to be very, uh, very mindful of that. Governor Pritzker ended that statewide mask mandate for most indoor spaces back on Monday. What was it that made Loyola decide to keep the mandate in place? Well, uh, two years ago, uh, when all this began, we asked ourselves, what are we prepared to defend as we make every decision about sending students home, bringing students, our international students, uh, 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 back to the country, uh, which was one of the first things we had to deal with? What are we prepared to defend? And when we thought of it that way, it became crystal clear that the health, safety, and well-being of uh, students, staff, and faculty is obviously paramount. And that has become our mantra uh, uh, ever since. Uh, we have, we're uh, blessed also with students who understand uh, that that's what we're doing and that they have an obligation to keep each other safe um, as well. And we're, we're very proud of the, the way our students have been with us uh, from the very beginning. Speaking of students, what have you been hearing from them? Has there been pushback, support? Uh, generally, great support. Uh, in terms of masking, we were very afraid for a long time, but 
uh, we would constantly be having to, to tell students, uh, put your mask back on, uh, you're not wearing your mask, and so on. We've had very little of that. Uh, they've also been very good uh, with their vaccination compliance. Um, right now, 97% uh, of all students, staff, and faculty at Loyola um, are fully vaccinated, and 87% uh, of all of our eligible students are boosted. Um, and in terms of masking, our students understand that the reason you wear a mask is to protect other people, uh, primarily. Uh, it contains your aerosol so that you don't infect uh, the person next to you. Mm -hmm. um, a good mask will also protect you, but they understand that they're protecting each other when they wear a mask. Beyond masks, how would you say the university is approaching its COVID strategy at this stage? Well, at this stage, we are uh, monitoring not only um, what will be happening on our campus, but also what will be happening um, in the city of Chicago, in Cook County. Um, uh, we are uh, we have uh, several different campuses uh, at the, uh, downtown at Water Tower in Rogers Park uh, and our health sciences campus in Maywood. So uh, what's happening in the surrounding communities is just as important to us uh, as what happens uh, on our own campus. And we're, we're blessed because the, uh, according to the new CDC guidance, uh, both uh, Chicago and Cook County are low areas of transmission. And that gives us a, a great deal of comfort that uh, uh, we hope before the end of the semester, certainly, we'll be able to relax uh, uh, our requirements in, in most spaces. Mm -hmm. some, will, some will have to keep in place, like in uh, healthcare settings, for example. That will be a requirement uh, and a number of others. As you mentioned, you're requiring regular testing. Um, you've got... Uh, a high number of uh, faculty, staff, and students who are vaccinated. Are you requiring booster shots or perhaps just encouraging? Uh, we are. Um, and, uh, again, the compliance has been uh, very strong. Um, uh, if we look at the entire Loyola community, 88% um, uh, of staff, faculty, and students who are eligible to be boosted um, uh, have one. Um, What's happening with boosters is we have to be mindful of people who become eligible. If you've had a positive case, you have to wait, uh, I think it's three months, before um, you are eligible to get a booster. So we're, we're watching to see when people uh, become eligible for a booster, and we'll remind them, um, hey, it's time, uh, you're eligible, uh, be sure you get boosted. I see. Uh, cases overall at the, the school, have they been trending downward? as they have been in Chicago? Oh, very much so. Uh, as of last night, our seven-day positivity rate is 0.39%. Uh, it's the lowest it's been since October, so the lowest uh, since uh, long before uh, Omicron, and lower than the city of Chicago, which is uh, itself uh, a really great 1% uh, positivity rate. So once they return from uh, spring break, you talked about requiring uh, testing. Is there a, a metric you're looking for in particular that would allow you to relax the masking requirements at that point? Uh, we haven't set a particular a particular rate, uh, a positivity rate. Uh, it's uh, but uh, and we'll also have to see what what the 
bases, we're starting with a very, very low base of, of uh, 0.39. So we'll we'll just see what sort of a what sort of a spike we get. Also, what sort of a spike there may be in the surrounding communities as well, and and then we'll decide. But we haven't picked a number yet. Time to pull out that crystal ball again for me, <laughs> Philip. Looking ahead, before I let you go, any talks yet about the fall, about what you're going to do then, about masks, et cetera? Uh, no, we uh, our uh, our biggest uh, uh, sort of on the horizon uh, questions right now involve commencement. Uh, for the uh, yes. we, ha- we have two classes, uh, class of 2020, class of 2021, who were really robbed of a proper commencement and the opportunity to walk across the stage, get their diploma, uh, have their family there to see that. Uh, we had no commencement for the class of 2020. We had very imperfect uh, set of uh, commencement activities for class of 2021. Mm-hmm. So we are very much looking forward and very much hoping that uh, the, the class of 2022 will have a, a proper commencement. And uh, we're all looking forward to that. I hope that happens for you. That's Philip Hale, Vice President of Government Affairs at Loyola University, Chicago. Thanks for your time, Philip. Thank you, Sasha. Want more context on the top issues of the day? Find the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.